which is just really yeah. which is pretty funny like he's he's so open and receptive but when it comes to that level of of compromise he can't do it right and that's it's something we can learn that you, you should compromise where you can but if something is in direct line of who you are and your values like don't budge an inch this place used to be full of monks and lemurs and vice. whole avatar thing. Maybe the monks made a mistake. I can't just go around wiping out people I don't like. Sometimes the shadows of the past can be felt by the present. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Popcast Theory Podcast. This year has allowed us to consume even more pop culture from the comfort of our own homes. But sometimes we have to ask, what is it really all about? What are these characters' stories? How does that story influence their development? Most importantly, how does their story influence us? I'm your host, Tony Ramos, and along with my two co-hosts and best friends, Frasqui and Miko Lukban, we explore the journeys of these characters in recent, much older sources of pop culture and how they made an impact on our lives. Hey there, welcome to the Popcast Theory Podcast, and this time, this is actually a part two of our Avatar series. If you didn't watch part one, we highly recommend watching that one first. We talk about Aang's journey throughout uh, book one and book two before we actually get to you know book three, which is this one. We're actually going to be talking about book three, Fire, and Avatar Aang's journey. Like if last time we're talking about more about the last airbender as a whole, this is more about when he you know fully realizes himself with his self-identity as like the Avatar. And this is really uh, an important turning point, as you all know. Well, I mean, if you guys don't know, that's why you're listening in. Uh, we're really going to be talking more about his journey throughout the entire story and some notable moments, and especially how that really impacted him as a character. And you know, what can we actually take from that? What are the what makes the entire thing relatable? And is it you know a satisfying conclusion to the entire Last Airbender saga? Like, I know a lot of people really loved it. A lot of people really appreciated it. But you know, uh, if you like it or if you wanted to watch it, I think it's on Netflix again. Uh, spending some time, a few hours to. Well, a few hours being relative to three seasons. Um, I really do think the entire watch is really worth it. It's an amazing show, and Ang's one of the best characters out there. We really appreciate them. That's why we're doing a part two. Like, I think this is the first time doing actually a two-part series for uh, one character, just because his journey's been so uh, is really encapsulating, like the sort of child soldier turned amazing hero. Uh, well, actually, kid turned hero <laughs> approach that really uh, that we took last time, and really how the hero part of him is just emphasized now that that's really what we're focusing on today and yeah uh just to give you guys again you know how this works we go ahead and talk about like a quick synopsis over the entire season and then uh again me and my best friends like we're going to sort of go over some notable moments in the entire story and then afterwards we're going to be talking more about the in-depth uh regarding those certain events and how uh how we view Ang afterwards like is there a way to relate is there a way to uh, really learn from these different experiences that Ang was able to go through, right? And how how sympathetic can you really be with uh, in a universe where you know people can bend <laughs> elements and everything? Like how much how much can you actually relate with people? But um, yeah, without further ado, uh, again we're gonna be talking more about book three. Well, I'll be talking more about book three before we talk about another moment. So first things first, uh, jumping right from where we left off in the last part. Well, part one of the series, we talked about how Ang died, quote unquote, and that's why we kept saying quote unquote because obviously this is season three and he comes back. Um, and yeah, the entire first part or the first arc actually of season three is Ang coming to grips with the fact that he's well, the world thinks he's dead, and he's just thinking to himself, "Wow, I abandoned the world again." He expresses this really early on, and his friends are really helping him out. And the entire idea here is that uh, Ang's Ang's character has to grow in in a sense that he's hiding himself from the world, right? It, it kind of it's reflective of the entire uh, arc in the first season where like he was dead, right? Or at least he was missing for like a hundred years. So it's just reflective of that. And again, he has to come. He really comes to grips with being known as dead and you know abandoning the world. And then it's really a matter of uh, of gathering like forces before the invasion of the, the Fire Nation during the eclipse. So that's really what it's really about. And of course. Uh, when everything leading up to that is, you know, this is an am amazing sequence. But at the same time, it, it leads to an invasion that eventually fails. And, you know, uh, Miko will actually be talking more about that in a bit. And then afterwards, uh, somebody gets like a turn, like, 
turncoat, if you will, within the Fire Nation to just help the good guys out and Team Avatar out. And there, he's a really big, he's a really significant part of the story because they're able to lead to the final battle between the Fire Lord and Azula. And that that's really something that we're going to be talking more about later. But in general, it, it's a, in, in my personal opinion, it's it, it's an amazing conclusion to a really long story that was just uh, building up the certain character that Aang had the entire time. Right? So, yeah. Uh, with that, it's a really general synopsis because I do think a lot of the major events, like we'll be talking more about them like through the notable moments and interactions that we've had. So yeah, uh, again, just, just jump right in with some of these notable moments. Uh, Miko, maybe you can start us off with Ang's death and like maybe some specific parts. Yeah, so like as as we mentioned, like coming right out of book two uh, when Ang died and he was saved because of magic spirit water because yeah, this is a this is obviously a show this is a kid's uh, show <laughs> so obviously a kid's show, a kid's show um, can't die. Yeah. And, and i think what what was interesting there is actually for this as, as tony mentioned for like this first part which i'll be talking about between the start until around during the invasion uh, a lot of ang's main character moments happen really right when he wakes up and then towards right before the invasion. Yeah. Um, even, I think there at the start, like regarding him recovering his death, I like we said this line uh, in the last, uh, in the last episode. And I want, I noted it down because I found it super important as it's his biggest thing to overcome when he first wakes up is you, I can't abandon the world. Not again. Yeah. Uh, you as Tony mentioned, this is actually quite similar to the, uh, start of the show where he was actually gone for a hundred years and this um, part of the story uh, when he's <clears throat> considered dead by the um, wider uh, world in, yeah. in the show it, it, it is very much exactly the same situation as it was a hundred years ago where he's dead where the people have lost hope in the avatar because as far as the world's concerned He's gone. And we really see him struggle with that in the first episode. He feels so powerless. Uh, all of his friends are just trying or telling him to hide, they tell him to recover. And you know, he goes on this whole journey where he talks to, to Avatar Roku and learns about Avatar Roku's history, which could be a whole thing on its own. So I'm not going to super into that. But essentially, that whole part is just for him to understand like how this conflict came to be and to you come to grips with yes he has failed but there is still a there's still a chance for him to make things right and do his duty as the avatar and yeah the earth king but they don't have the earth kingdom army but there's a new plan and you from there they hit him and team avatar kind of go adventuring on you know around the fire nation and you know he has little moments with the different cars but I, for my memory personally, I don't think there's anything that's super like standout moments regarding his character. I really think it really comes down to that um, him trying to him having that initial uh, difficulty with coming to grips with having hair again and <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> with having hair again and kind of struggling and not, I wouldn't necessarily say it was being okay with being considered dead but more of just being okay with that it happened like he was killed they lost but it doesn't mean that everything's over uh before i start talking about the invasion is there anything like you guys wanted any moments that you guys remember that you think are important like pre-invasion or do you really think is it really just that for him, for for Ang specifically, I, the other characters had their own journeys, but um, for Ang specifically, I, I think we can kind of reflect on it later because uh, like it's more of not really a character defining moment, but more of a a moment that just reflected how Ang is in general, like how we even like they, they were behind enemy lines, right? And it was just like a matter of him just being present, <laughs> but uh, like he, he's still the same guy he is. He treats everyone the same, and I think that's really reflective of his character, right? Yeah, yeah. Like in the man, like uh, 
especially the one with like the school right and everything i think that episode was like really important culturally but not so much in regards to how it influences his character but it more just emphasizes that Ang's just a really friendly guy and it doesn't matter what your background is he'll get you to be friends with him right like i, I think we can talk more about that after we we cap off like more of these notable moments yeah okay and then i guess like moving on to like uh the pre like i think we we talked a lot about this in the last podcast about Ang's a kid like i think that's something that a show that took like three four years to finish airing the actual timeline of the show is only a year, a year. like yeah it's like a little under a year actually and yeah. i think in pre-invasion we see that Ang's nervous he's having nightmares and you know if you think about it here's a kid who's about to invade a nation and try to beat its leader to save the world like If you were 12, I think you'd be pooping your pants as the PG version of <laughs> that phrase. Uh, you you would probably be really scared. And I think that that's really reflected in how Ang is like, yes, he's gone through this journey. He's had so many moments of maturity of not only learning more about the world but about himself, but at the end of the day, he's a kid and we can see that he's scared, he's worried that he'll fail, he's worried that he might get Beat. He's worried that his pants will fall the moment he faces the fire lord for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Nightmare. Um, but we we see how worried he is and how concerned he is about you know actually doing this, and because this is really the core of this is what the year has been building up to, and we see that his friends try to help comfort him. They try to find ways to help calm him down, and you know it's only until the end where they're just like, here's a soft bed. Uh, here's the nice atmosphere. Take a break, sleep, you know. Yeah. And and I think I think that's really just something like it was really. And in the end, like Ang, like he had a good dream that he realized. Uh, he got he actually beat the fire lord and everything. And you we see it the next day. You know when he shaves his head again and like he's ready. We see like we see Avatar Ang, like. Right before they go off to to go fight the Fire Lord, we see Ang ready, prepared to fight the Fire Lord, to fight the Fire Nation with this ragtag group of all of their friends that they've met throughout their journey. And I think that that that's what makes the defeat uh, on the day of Black Sun, which is the eclipse, um, even more uh, depressing for him. It's just the fact that he was so ready. They felt that they were prepared. They felt like they knew what they were going to do. They had a plan. They executed it well, but they lost because apparently the Fire Nation knew that he wasn't dead and they were ready. And you, we, you see, like in the head, in that retreat of how disappointed, how frustrated Ang really is, and that really just really goes to show that they lost. <laughs> like, they lose a lot. <laughs> yeah, they lost. They lost, and you know. You, you. They were really hoping that they could win this one. They lost Basing City. They lost so much. They lost the support of the Earth Nation, and they were really hoping. And everything really pointed to this being successful. But in the end, they lost. They lost all of their, a lot of their friends. Uh, they lost their chance at beating the Fire Nation at their weakness. And we see in that retreat how frustrated Ang is. And how much he feels like he failed, and you know it's not super explicit at the start in post invasion, but in later on in the later episodes we see that this 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 idea of having failed is something that really follows Ang until uh, he gets to that point where they decide uh, where to to the final battle. I mean, and yeah, I think. Yeah. Any more thoughts from you guys? Hearing you, you talk about that, it it, it goes back to how uh, Ang is a kid, right? Yeah. We're we're, we're that's one of like the main yeah. things. Main about things we talked character. about last time, and his yeah, character in general. Yeah, he's a kid. He's, he's twelve years old. Usually, right from from the lore of Avatar, most avatars are are decided at the age of sixteen, right? Yeah. Ang had this. Ang had this happen way too early in his life. Twelve, you know, and he has to, he has to carry this, 
weight of of protecting you know the world <laughs> protect, yeah protecting the world basically yeah i was trying to think of like so like something big but yeah the bigger picture of the world and think thinking about this this journey that he that he went through with the, with the whole invasion thing imagine how much that hits him you know when the fire nation uh were you know going to attack you know 100 years prior he ran away and you know shit happens and now and you know he thinks about it the world became this because there was no avatar and they plan on doing this big you know this this big thing and it fails again and probably in ang's head it it sucks a lot because this time they had the avatar but it's you know we they still, still lost. lost yeah so imagine how much how much weight like ang carries that like without him or with him are they really just like is that supposed to be his his legacy that him as the avatar they were really just meant to lose like imagine how much that that really like kills him inside that you know it's not going their way like how much like hopelessness and could probably be feeling and how much how how desperate he could be in trying to find ways to to defeat the fire nation that that's what's going on in my head right now after hearing what you just said no that, that's really no that's just a really good point I, i think really when you consider the entire first arc like that entire first part of of book three it's just it's really hard not to you know really go back to that relatability in ang's character right? and in regards to the amount of loss <laughs> that they really have to go through it's insane like when you consider that all right i i have to be the leading point of this war and you know we're losing and we're losing and we're losing but yeah i, I guess before we we get more into like how that develops his character uh let, let's go deeper first into like a few notable moments uh yeah i think next up right after the invasion somebody's able to jump in into the group right uh fast maybe you want to let us you know know more about zuko and his relationship with ang well i wouldn't go and say jump in but like if i were to just like make a point here he burned his way through you know, let's go he lit his own path <laughs> He lit his own path. Stop. Let's go. Stop. Please. The fire starts to burn. The fire. Please. Please. Just stop. Not the moment. He, bro. he ignited a flaming friendship between. Oh my god. Right. Oh right. I had a spark. You guys. Dude, go on. All right. Anyway, um, now seriousness. You know, let's let's tone this down. Let's uh, let's get to. To reality, Zuko finally makes it to Team Avatar. What the fuck, Zuko, the dude with the scar who's been trying to hunt the Avatar for that like, like for 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 the last two books already. He's he's gonna join Team Avatar. When did that happen? Well, he also went through some character development, but we're not gonna get into that because we are here to talk about Ang. So so yeah, um, his own episode. <laughs> He can fill his own episode. We go for it. He can fill his own episode, or you know, there's already a bunch of YouTube essays that talk about Zuko. Yeah. But yeah, um, Zuko, Zuko joining Ang is really such a interesting thing, and I always find it so fascinating every time I think about it, because in book three, that's where Ang really, really matures even more than he did in the last two books. That's where he really took the weight of being Avatar. Really took the weight of. The responsibility and trying to understand if he can commit to doing this final act, right? Yeah. Of defeating the Fire Nation, and it's always fascinating to me how, for him, the teacher that would help him learn how to firebend would be Zuko, because as Ang is going through this journey of maturing, the one to teach him is probably the one who matured the most in in the story of of Avatar. We started. Zuko, um, seeing him as a villain, he he wanted to to make his, <laughs> his father capture the he, avatar. Capture the avatar to gain Restore my honor. You know he wanted that. Yeah. Know, right. As he went through his story, he realized that you know there's really a bigger picture. You know he 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 finally realized my dad's an ass. You know I don't wanna I don't wanna really. Do this shit anymore. So he decides to go to Team Avatar, and just for him to 
to really show Anne what, what it means to commit. In a way, if you think about it, he's also teaching Ang how to bring honor for a hundred years already. Like Ang has also had his, you know, share of, of disappointing. And Zuko has that feeling of disappointing. And they both wanna, you know, bring honor to themselves and their name or whatever. Like, you know, they're really fighting for personally. So for, for Zuko to really like, you know, light it up for Ang. I don't mean that as a pun, but like I'm just saying, everything that came up. Man. Light the way, man. <laughs> light the way. I'm probably gonna sound like I'm repeating a lot of stuff here, but it's just to to just have those two characters on that end game of like you know really maturing and learning from each other how how they can face through their demons. Like as like I said before with with Anne, he's the one who always taught everybody how to be a little bit free-flowing, to be a little more, much lighter with the situation at hand. I always taught people to have fun. Katara how to have fun. Tapsaka how to have a little bit tough how to be, to have fun. You start a lot of hope in people. And Brazuko, he, he did the same. He, he softened them up a bit, but at the same time with, with Zuko towards Aang, he, he really toughened them up. You can, you can see, right? When Zuko yeah. was... was Teaching Ang, like he, like really he really told Ang, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. take this seriously, seriously dude. <laughs> like this is not with yeah. some fucking game. What are you gonna do when Fire Lord Ozai is gonna, you know, blast you with a fucking, you know, <laughs> but he blows you up, fireball the, or whatever? What's the plan? Zuko kept kept really putting, it putting was, yeah, it was Zuko who kept bringing out. back like the entire yeah. group, even yeah, yeah. So so you have those those. Two things going going on with, with Zuko and Ang, and it's just I really don't know what else to say. It's just it's just a lot, you know, and just to see like how far both of them have gone in this journey, and for for them to realize what they really need to do is they have to help each other instead of fight yeah. one another. They realize yeah. that you know we we are learning from each other. We're also teaching each other, and you know we we both grown in this in this path to achieve the same thing at the end of it all which is stop the fire nation and restore balance to all four nations yeah yeah i think yeah it's really a matter of going back to our main points with uh how he develops other characters as well as himself like even though it's clear cut that okay this is my teacher right like this is the water bending uh, master for katara this is my earth bending teacher for for Toph and everything, right? And then, you know, that eventually becomes Zuko as well. Like, it's just as exactly like the way you said it in regards to, uh, it's never a one-way relationship. I don't think Aang has ever had a one-way relationship. Like, everyone in the story that he interacts with always takes away something from him as well. Like, they learn something. They're able to develop further. They they just appreciate life more (laughs) when they're with Aang, right? Like, he's just that sort of lightheartedness. And I know, I think we talked about this last time as well. It is also that that idea of Ang is still uh, at his core, he's still a kid. Like, of, of course, we, we brought that up earlier. But in regards to he, how he develops other people as well, because when you consider, for example, uh, Team Avatar, right? Like, uh, at least like his close relationships, especially with well, I mean, Suki as well. I think <laughs> to some extent, Suki and Saga. Uh, like all, all these kids are, are are essentially child soldiers. Like they were born into war. Like that's all they they've ever known. That's all they've ever lived with. And it, it's hard to, to really consider, okay, you know, are we actually having fun? Are we, you know, are we learning? Are, are we appreciating life and everything? And Ang is like that anchor that keeps bringing back everyone, right? And yeah, um, Miko, do you want to say anything about like uh, Ang's relationship with Zuko before we jump into the next part? Um, yeah, like I think just like something I wanted to touch on that we also said in the last uh, podcast is you, the idea of firebending bad everything else good and that, yeah. that, that's very much how it was presented especially you know, at the beginning when Ang first tried to firebend and then he ended up hurting Katara and she's like I'm never gonna firebend again yeah um I, I think we also see that like like that reflection of his view of firebending also kind of be reflected uh um it's on cool. his his relationship with Zuko because yeah. 
as like as we've established the uh, firebending bad, quote unquote. Um, and you know, we also realized that oh yeah, he hasn't learned firebending yet. And you know, I think it was in that that uh, that story of uh, Zuko and Ang learning about you know, the core, uh, the origins of firebending. Yeah. And and I think that was also its moment that it changed his own perspective on firebending and also his perspective on Zuko to, uh, to an extent. It's just that, yes, uh, in the past hundred years, firebending has been used for quite bad uh, reasons, you know, conquering, uh, destruction, killing, and all that stuff. But at its core, it, it is about you know, kindness, passion, uh, love, care, like all that kind of emotion. And like at the same time that fire can represent all this negative, it also has a lot of uh, positive emotion attached to it. Yeah. And I think that that also relates in how at first everyone viewed uh, and viewed firebenders. I mean, of course he. You know he's airbending, uh, peaceful, whatever. But of course, there is some, not, like not hostility, but they are the enemy. In, in its case, but I think in this journey, in this time behind the enemy lines in the Fire Nation, and now with his, um, with Zuko, with the, with this journey he had with Zuko, and with this moment he had with Zuko, I think, and learning firebending, I think it's really changed his way of looking at firebending specifically not necessarily fire the fire nation in general but more focused on uh firebending and firebenders aren't all bad and there's more to firebending than just being angry yeah so yeah i i think that's a really good point in in regards to what do we really how do we view as well like in regards to the elements, right? I, I think the entire series is just our perspective is influenced by the main characters, like what we see and everything. So even for the audience, it's just like, all right, this is negative, this is negative, this is negative. But what the beauty of the show, and this is like emphasized over and over again, is balance in all things. Like there is no such thing as a, a bad or like an overtly good thing. It is just the balance of things, the relationship between things that, that introduces this balance and this, this energy. The the only reason firebending is bad is because these people are willing to use it badly, right? Like that's the only thing that's been happening. And and for the audience, it's kind of jarring because we have two seasons of negative views, right? Like even though like we we, we see Zuko like kind of like easing up with with his character development in this in the second book, it, it's still like two books worth of uh you know atrocities and a hundred years more <laughs> worth of atrocities, right? That that you have to come in contact with and. I think that that entire relationship with, as as Miko mentioned, with with Ang and and Zuko, it just it brings back emphasis in regards to how Ang views it and how we view it. That this isn't something to, you know, to shy away from, and especially when you take note of why Zuko, like his firebending wasn't working, right? It was because like he changed alignments as as a whole, and that's why he couldn't do it anymore. Like his inner fire was was somewhere else. Like his his passion was elsewhere, right? And that's why he needed to find out truly like what, what firebending was about and what, what it really was. And he found that out with Ang. And again, it's just it's a really it's just an amalgamation of really they did a dance, right? They did a dance. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. Dancing. Oh my god. The dragon dance. <laughs> it's dragon like, dance. What's your little dance called? <laughs> it's, it's not you a know, dance. When you, when you don't use the when you <laughs> just fire firebending with fury and using it with rage, you find the ballet in it and just dance and you realize, oh my gosh, fire yeah. can be beautiful. That's that's really it. I, I think it, it's a matter of bringing it back to excess is bad, right? Like that's really it. Like the show emphasizes the the ability of balance and the beauty of balance and using like with with intentionality, right? Like act, actively being present with what your element, literally in the show, is is present for. And it's you know like there can be good fire balance. I think that was a really good point. Uh, that entire arc, though, I, I think. Just to sort of cap off notable moments, uh, right before the 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 final battle, if you will, uh, there were a lot of moments that I would argue were more about Zuko's character development. But 
one should take note that every time Zuko went on like a life changing journey with somebody from the Avatar, uh, from Team Avatar, um, Ang was always there. Like, Ang, like even though Ang was the first one, obviously, because they had to establish that. All right, he's good. You you have to remember that Ang was the sort of catalyst into the group. Like it was Ang who was like, "I right, like that makes sense. You should be my teacher, like destiny and all things and everything." And everyone's like, "What the hell? He's been hunting us for like how long?" And Ang was like, "We gotta start somewhere." And then they become, you know, they, you know, they, they eventually get closer, like through the, you know, you know, as we mentioned, the dragon dance and everything. And then that's where Zuko kind of jumps in. He's like, "All right, let me help everyone." <laughs> like he's like, "Let's let's help let's help everyone." Get except for Top. <laughs> except for Top. Let's help everyone get closer. Except for Top. Um. But yeah, like it just really emphasized that it like Ang was, and I guess this is more about Zuko's character development. But Ang was the op, was Zuko's opportunity for change, right? Like it's really a ma- like there are no bad people. I think they're just like bad decisions and bad environments that people live in, and that reflects it. But as soon as you give somebody a chance and the opportunity to change, and if they're willing to change, you can get so much from them. And it was just an amazing thing that, uh, because the entirety of book two, like you really do see Zuko, like he's so far gone, he's so lost. Like you know, Uncle Iroh's like you know, like really worried about him and everything. And season uh, and book three rolls up, and now you're really worried about like his direction and everything. And the guy's losing sleep. And then you reach that point in which he's so comfortable with where he's at. It's just it's amazing because you you've seen him struggle the entire time, and. Ang is like that person who actually gave him a chance. Well, you know, obviously Uncle Iroh as well, but Uncle Iroh is not there. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just it's just an integral part in giving second chances. Now, even if you weren't just focusing on Ang as he is the avatar in the character, I feel like Zuko is also relatable in a sense that second chances are you know such a big deal, and you have to give credit where credit's due in Ang. Like that, that's the that's the point that I really wanted to emphasize. In. Like sometimes all it takes is just you know somebody really open, somebody really receptive. But yeah, leading up to that though, after you know all these little side quests that they go on for a bit before the the final battle, they they really like Zuko's just like, why are we wasting time? <laughs> and then everyone's like, well, I was thinking about it. Ang's not really ready, so we're just gonna fight the Fire Lord after. Then Zuko's like, wait, uh, my dad's gonna burn down the Earth Kingdom. So they were just like, wait, what the hell? So they were like, oh, wait, we gotta stop him. And with that line of thinking, Ang goes missing, and then you know he finds himself on a lion turtle's back. Uh, this is where it gets kind of tricky. I, I think the entirety of the story uh, in regards to Ang's character development, it leads up to that moment, right? Like, there's this really special moment uh, where he's communing with literally his past selves uh, in, in what he should do. And everyone tells him that, bro, you gotta move above your spiritual needs and, you know, personal values for the greater good, right? And then Ang's like, mm, wait a second, like, don't... Don't give me that. And especially, <laughs> I love the one where he talks to Kyoshi and then Kyoshi was like, just do it. And then he's like, <laughs> and then he's just like, I knew it. And then he looks at Momo, he's like, I knew I shouldn't have talked to Kyoshi. <laughs> yeah, never... yeah. But the one that got me was Yang Chen, uh, a fellow airbender, right? Like full arc behind uh, in regards to the Avatar cycle. And she's, you know, a fellow airbender and she tells him that, wait, you're sp- like, literally what I said a while ago, that uh, the fate of the world is more important than your spiritual needs or desires. And then Ang's just like, whoa. And then I think that's really the moment where Ang, it just kind of disturbs Ang and he's just like, he, he really thought Yang Chen would like be the voice of reason or give him like some solution, right? And again, he sort of finds that solution like later on as, as we see. Like, of course, there's the whole entire final battle that we can't, we can't really talk about. It's, it's really it's really a visual experience, I think. I don't think you can describe. <laughs> like, uh, you cannot describe. And going nuts whoosh, whoosh. and everything. There's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of whoosh, wind, water. <laughs> or like, <laughs> like boulders being moved. But uh, <laughs> uh, eventually, like, you reach that point, right, where Ang <laughs> gets his... His wound hit in the back, which I honestly tried to tell all my, the people who massage me to hit, but I don't think anyone's ever hit it. Uh, and then he just gets his avatar state back. And then in that moment, he's able to take the fight to Ozai and really beat him. And then he does, he, he follows energy bending, right? And this is the moment where it's shown to us what energy bending is truly about. And then he's, he's able to, you, you have to have, I remember the Lion Turtle's quote was, you have to have balance. Only a person balanced within themselves can actually use energy bending, which makes sense 
that the avatar can use it, right? And of course, like it's shown in Kara later on that anyone can actually do it as long as they're balanced in that sense. But at the time, what we're exposed to is the reflection of with balance comes power and authority to transcend sort of like the limitations that are presented at the time, right? And this is sort of the moment that, that we can sort of jump in into uh, relating the Ang more as a whole because um, while this is still related to the story or at least the major story in which uh, I'm talking about right now, especially the final part, I just wanted to emphasize this part and this point because Ang, like, when you think about it, it's kind of frustrating on on some level, right? Like, when you think about it, Ang's a kid, right? And he's been losing for a while, you know, as we mentioned earlier. And then his past lives literally tell him, bro, like, there's no other option. You got to kill the boy. And then the, li the lion turtle is just like, hey, I was listening in on the convo, and I might have a solution. And it's just like, that's like saying I didn't get an A on my test, and then I found like a... I found like a, I found the principal outside, and then he said, <laughs> he give me like a high grade for some reason. Like it's along the line of thinking it's like a Deus Ex lion turtle. Like, and yeah, it's like <laughs> it's Deus Ex like, lion turtle. You, like you look like a good student. Yeah, and I see you trying your best. <laughs> I see you trying so your best. I'm gonna give, like, give you the extra credit. High grade. You know what? I'll yeah. just say maybe maybe the other avatars did not have the benefit of meeting the lion turtle. Yeah, <laughs> which is why none of them. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. But you, know, uh, I think the funny part is like when I think about it more though, like th that's my initial. Uh, actually, no, my initial one is okay. This is epic. Then my secondary viewing is that perspective. Now, all right, this is a little unfair because when you consider it, especially for kids who are watching and trying to learn, right, that it it doesn't really show us the method of consequence that the show has been known for. Like, it, it's not afraid to shy away. Like, it doesn't shy away, actually, from realism because it represents that, okay, this is this is how real life is. This is hard. You have to make the hard decisions. And yet, you know, there's some compromise that can be had. Whereas, like, my, my tertiary onwards viewing have kind of shown that the, the, the beauty, I think, of it is that the past avatars especially, and what you mentioned for us is really important earlier, is that these guys were teenagers already. like, And they were like fully realized avatars, and then that's when they had to make the big decisions and everything. So they were limited in their adult ways. And you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of ways to go about it, but generally, you stick with what you know. And that's not problematic, but there are strengths to being really receptive and open, which is, which is what Ang was doing the entire like last yeah. arc, right? And so since Comet. And that's what we see. We see the fruit of looking for more solutions, of not compromising your values for a thing that everyone else is telling you is the only way, right? And that's really yeah. reflective of today. I think we can all relate that, you know, some people are just telling you that, oh, dude, that's impossible. It's not going to happen. Like the, like the the naysayers, right? The people who tell you it's, you know, it's impossible. Like it's, it's too much work. You're, you're not going to find a solution. You know, you're just going to give up something, stuff like that. And then Ang was just that, you know, with the childlike perspective and naivete, but at the same time, you know, receptiveness and openness to, to any solution. And he was just like, I'm willing to look because no one else is, you know, <laughs> willing to help. Like he, he, he refused to compromise on his values. And my, my big, my big argument as well, like in a supporting argument to what I'm saying right now is that. Uh, Ang's, Ang's had to compromise the entire series and this is the fruit of his compromise right like this is the point where where, where does it come at? like this is the entire like all the battles and everything he's just been listening to people and everything he, like yeah. when you really consider it he's been having like to make hard decisions the entire time and at this point at the finale like shouldn't he be given like this carrot like that, that's really it that dude I, I was able to finally you know get the fruits of my labors and it's just representative of him finding balance in himself, like being, you know, Avatar Ang level. You know, not I'm no longer just the last airbender or, you know, I, I am now like the Avatar. And it's it's just really amazing to consider his his entire journey, right? Because it, it really leads up to that point. And he's able to, you know, not compromise his values of, of killing. Of course there's like there's like that whole level of you know, maybe, you know, he's killed other people in uh, collateral damage and everything. But I think the point that we have to bring up is that he's not an executioner. Like, that was the thing that they were really saying. Like, am I going to, you know, directly 
kill him and everything. And he refused to compromise himself and his character. Which is just really... Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Like, he's he's so open and receptive. But when it comes to that level of, of compromise, he can't do it, right? And that's... It's something we can learn that you, you should compromise where you can. But if something is in direct line of who you are and your values, like, don't budge an inch. Look for a solution. Yeah. And that's really something I, I really like about it. Yeah, go ahead, man. No, like, going off from when what you're talking about, because, like, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's opening a lot of, like, you know, thoughts about Hank's character. Yeah. You think about the story of him as an avatar. If it did end with him killing Fire Lord Ozai, you'd look back at this whole story and you're going to make it, you're, you're going to think, what makes Ang so different then? Okay, he 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 was twelve and it happened. He met people and then he kills Fire Lord Ozai. If that was the story, you'd be wondering what makes Ang so different. Why did we have to see this story? Because the other avatars probably did the same. We there have been like many avatars before Ang, and they've probably met people along the way. They've probably had troubles with trying to learn all the elements, and they've had a lot of. Um, a lot to go through in the journey and then you know they probably had to like go through a big fight or a big war or whatever what makes Ang so different if that was the way he, the if that's where the trajectory of his story was going and seeing how how the story does unfold what makes him so different is that he chose not to be the executioner he legit found a way to to rightfully balance everything and still look for the most peaceful way to, to make all this, you know, all these, he learns how to how to balance everything and look for peace and take away all the atrocities that's happening around the world, and yeah. make people understand that, you know, there is a better way. You know, he he's listened to all the avatars, right? And they're just like, kill him, you gotta kill him, you gotta kill him, Kyoshi, do it. You know what I'm gonna say? All this, do it. But yeah, and. And you think, uh, because uh, like Ang has gone through this journey and he's understood the responsibilities of being an avatar, maybe he'd have to do it because, you know, if, if I can't stop it, you're going to really have to look for for the hard way of doing it. But no, like like you said, like he, he, he finds a compromise because he had those values and he still had that moral compass and the fact that he's only 12 years old beat that <laughs> he's yeah, honestly he's 12 like he, he's still at the mindset where where the thought of doing such harm is you know you know it's a destructing type of like you know, feeling to go through like it, yeah. it really like it, it really puts a lot of weight into you so the fact that he was able to just look for that that solution to just take away bending so that you wouldn't be able to harm anyone else is so in Ang's character to do so, you know, allow the allow the air to keep flowing without any without any debris, you know, flying through. Like he just let the he just you know let the flow keep going, and at the end of Avatar, right, just peace. All four, you know, all four nations were you know finally like back together, like uniting with each other and and able to 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 find a way to just live amongst each other. So uh, if you like, just thinking about that in just a story, story-wise perspective, like how, like what really makes Ang such a different character among all the avatars, it's just that he was able to find that solution to, to, to bring all four nations together. Yeah. And I just, just to add, like, uh, I wish I could come up with this point myself, but I got this from a video essay uh, by Sage's Reign on YouTube. Uh, like I really watched like right before we did this, and you, <laughs> yeah. if you look, if you if you look at Ang, like uh, I'll specifically talk about Ang and ya and Avatar Yangchen, the past uh, Airbending uh, Avatar, and like. Even she came to the conclusion that killing Ozai would be the the best way, yeah. The best, the best way. And I mean, in Roku's defense, his his the reason why he said to kill was because it was out of regret. Like he should have done it, but yeah, he, but he, he didn't did want it. to because 
it was his friend. And he had that whole conflict and whatever. And then the the past avatars, they all had their reasons. But the thing that in, in our this whole thing about what makes Aang different. And like looking at Yang Chen. Yang Chen could be the avatar because there would still be Aerith nomads no matter what. Yeah. Aang is the last airbender, going back to this whole title. And I think that, that that's where we see him in in that whole not I guess you could say stubbornness, but you as we've put it, you not willingness not to compromise on this thing of I don't want to kill Ozai. We yeah. see the last airbender in that is he was taught from early on the the importance of life. And he's learned through this out his journey that even in the worst of people, there is still some good. Though, if we're truly honest, there's no way Ozai is a good person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you mean we see that throughout his journey, and I think, like, I really kind of like identified with that point of Ang is the last Airbender. He is the last remnant of his culture. So if he were to, you know, bend. Uh, his beliefs because oh I'm the avatar I need to do what's best then he lo- then he stops being the last airbender in that moment and chooses being the avatar over being the last airbender and I think that for, for me like in that whole compromising I think that was really something that really showed his character and going back to your point about how Ang always gave people the opportunity uh, I mean, the, the the question of whether or not Ozai deserves that opportunity is something else entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in the context of Aang being the last airbender, valuing life and valuing life and and being strictly against violence, I think it was really a show of Aang. You guys, we've established him not wanting to compromise on this even though he's compromised so much already and has learned so much about the world there are some things that he knew that in his heart that he was not willing to do because of what he truly believes in <laughs> wow no I, I mean in regards to culture as I said like you are the last of your kind and you're gonna you're gonna mess up your culture I, I think if I had to add something I, I think it's not like maybe just on my end, I, I don't think it's necessarily the disconnect in in which na he he picks being the avatar over being the last airbender, but it's more about well just for me uh, it's just na is he willing to compromise his culture as a whole like he is the representative of his entire culture right so is he gonna muck it up just for that right and I mean muck it up's a strong word <laughs> I think I really think like when you consider like the gravity of his choice it's you know to save the world and everything but it just really goes back you know balance and, and everything and it's just really amazing when you consider what Ang is about and what he's really brought to the table and the capability I think of making choices and really considering all your options like even if it's a kid's show no matter what anyone tells me there's so much to learn from it <laughs> the older you get i think the the more you rewatch it the more you consider hey these kids are making better life decisions than like more world leaders <laughs> like day and day again like it's just really reflective of hey you know the younger people are the more in touch they are with with the reality actually and it's just and the practicality and the humanity of of these uh, world building and world changing decisions. So yeah, and you you saying that makes the last Airbender sound like a modern day little prince. Like, <laughs> when you listen to kids, they have a they have an open mindedness that you just they got a lot to say. They got a lot to say. Yeah, and with that, wait, wait, I just want to go ahead, go ahead, because like to, to keep with the whole theme of like relating the elements and stuff like in 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 book one with water we really talked about uh we focused on you know learning to go with the flow like i mean he was was really about that with air but with water we see him learning how man this i hate myself for saying this how the tides are with the world now and learning how to ride those waves himself (laughs) 
Uh, oh, I hate you, Crash. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. And then with with and then with Earth, there's a real emphasis on grounding himself in understanding there is a war and he needs to take part of it and take part of it as the Avatar. And I think with with book three with Fire, I think we see a lot of like book three is really the the climax of a lot of the characters' uh, stories, and we see a lot of characters get the get the development that the whole series has been building up to. But in Ang's case, I think we really see. I hate myself for saying this. Uh, we see the fire in him in in being the airbender that he's meant to be, in being the avatar that he's finally destined to be. We see the love that he gives to his friends in assisting in their journey. And we also see how passionate and his compassion in dealing with the problems he has to deal with as the avatar. And I think that's what we really see in book, in what we see fire really focus on and not fire as in destruction, but fire as in Ang's love for not only his friends, not only the nations of the world, but also in him fully realizing himself as the avatar and what it means for him to be the avatar that finally saves the world. Yeah. That's great, man. No, that, I think that I was like... That. <laughs> I think that was the, the best way sort of end this episode thank you so much for listening in a beautiful summary by miko in regards to how the elements really influence the story and again thank you so much for listening in this is the podcast theory podcast i'm your host tony joined with frasqui and miko lukban thank you so much see you in the next one oh hey you're still here thanks for listening in this podcast is really a way for us to share our ideas and we have a lot of fun with it we hope you did too. Feel free to comment your favorite part, any insights you've had while listening in, or maybe even a character for us to review. You never know, your suggestion might be the next one. But that's it for this episode. See you in the next one.